Hey, hello? Hey, Scott. Hey, there you are. We're to have on a pizza god. Scott oh. Wiener is the his pizza historian, columnist for Pizza Today. He hosts Scott's Pizza Tours in New York City. I don't even know how you have time to eat pizza, Scott. Not to mention you are also the Guinness World Record holder for most different type of pizza boxes with over 1,450, which is unbelievable, man. Congratulations. How does that feel? It feels electric. What got you into that, Scott? Like, have you always wanted to set a record for pizza box collections? I don't, I don't think that was ever it. I think it was when you're a kid and you look at the Guinness Book of World Records all the time and all you can think about is like, wow, these are some interesting people and they're like the only one who does that thing. I bet there's something in the back of every kid's mind that's like, oh, well, what could I be in that book for? And did you, know, you was there was a it. point you reached where you set a record or? Wait, I, I missed that last part. Oh, I'm sorry. I was basically just wondering at what point did you feel like you actually had a chance for a Guinness World Record or did somebody reach out to you about it? Um, no, I, you know what? I was collecting pizza boxes just for fun. And I was working on a book all about pizza boxes and their artwork. And I just collected a bunch and I figured, wait a second, maybe this is enough for a world record. You never know until you call Guinness. So you know, I called up the Guinness people and they said, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Sure, I guess we'll make it a record. But you got to have, and then they threw out a number that maybe they thought sounded ridiculous. But I was like, oh, yeah, I got that. Cool. And that, what Where's was their record? number? Well, they said 500. And at the time, I think I had 650, something like that. That is incredible, Scott. And did you just keep these in your bedroom? Yeah, I had them in my apartment. And, uh, you know, they were like in a little closet. And I, you know, I was writing this book about pizza box artwork. So it was all kind of related. It wasn't like I just kept all the garbage I would I would solicit people for their boxes and I would say, oh, I, I read that Domino's Japan came out with a limited edition pizza box. I should probably have that in my collection because the whole idea of the collection is things these things are collectible and they don't even know it. Wow, <laughs> that's so amazing. And how many do you have officially now? I have. Well, Guinness Book still thinks I just have whatever the record was with like 600 and what I really have is about 1458, 1459. <laughs> I actually recently collected a bunch from the Pizza Expo in Las Vegas, which was last week. It's a big trade show. And I collected eh, maybe 20 or so, and I left them on a bench in front of a hotel. Really? Oh, yeah. You just forgot pretty about them? Yeah, I just forgot them. I'm, I'm pretty bummed about it. It's like, you know, I usually get a pretty good booty from these events, and uh, I just left them, and I'm like, ugh. I guess I'll have to go to the next event and get them then. <laughs> I mean, Scott, with having that many boxes, I would figure once in a while some are left hanging, right? It's got to happen. Yeah. it's And look, I, I don't think anybody else even collects pizza boxes, so it's not like there's a big battle for supremacy here. It's just more <laughs> like, it's just more like oh, I really like, you know, since I got into it, and now that I have this record, I'm like, it's kind of a responsibility. I've, uh, i got to sure. keep this up. And what would you say the rarest boxes that you have? I have a few that are kind of rare. Um, some of them are Italian boxes, which are, they just don't print a ton of these images because they like to keep the art moving. And then I have a bunch that are really rare because they're artist-designed boxes 
from a pizzeria called Sizzle Pie in Portland, Oregon. And they do, I think, 250 boxes, and then they're on to the next one. So I have maybe about 40 of those that are pretty cool. And do you have people now sending you boxes? Like, since you got that record, did you notice anybody that would come across a box would hit you up wanting to send it to you to add to your collection? Oh, absolutely. People all over the world are like, hey, send me your address. I got a box for you. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know who you are, but sure, have my home address. Wow. (laughs) that Very trustworthy, Scott. I like it. And well, sometimes I give, sometimes I don't give my home address. It depends. Okay. And do you, how do you go about cleaning the boxes? Do you just leave them as is, or is there a, a process with this? Most of the boxes are totally clean. They're, they're unused. So there's not a big issue with that. It's more like when I get the rare box that is dirty, usually I just scrape the cheese out and then I put a little coat of polyurethane over the spot and then okay. it's fine. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pretty... For New York City, I'm in a pretty clean, bug-free apartment. So it may, it sounds like there's a chance a museum is looming here, a pizza box museum is that <laughs> in the cards. I don't know if an entire museum for pizza boxes is there, but I have always been interested in doing a pizza history museum in New York. So that's a possibility. Add to the one of many things you do. How do you, Scott, what's your day-to-day like? I mean, you've got so much going on with, you know, uh, really dough on Amazon, the columnist stuff, giving tours. How do you go about life as an entrepreneur? Is every day completely different or do you have some kind of set routine? I I try to keep as many routines as possible because there's so much mystery in the middle of the day. But the beginning of the day is pretty routine based. It's like wake up at a certain time, the gym, bowl of oatmeal, and then pull the ripcord. And the rest of the day is kind of bonkers. But, you know, it's just like anybody else. There's a lot of emails to get to. There's always projects in the works that are not going to be public for another couple of months. So, you know, I'm always working on something. And then two months later, something comes out. And then somebody's like, oh, wow, you were busy yesterday. But now this is out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that, I did that two months ago. Don't worry about it. It's okay. But it's, it's tough. Every day, is, every day is a different thing to juggle. And would you ever go a day without eating pizza? Mm, very rarely very rarely wow so scott i mean you seem like a pretty fit guy where does it all go i ride my bike all the time i mean like uh, after i speak with you today i got to go into manhattan to the garment district to meet up with a pizzeria but that bike ride is going to be a nine ten mile bike ride in new york city where it's going to take about an hour and it's uphill downhill up the bridge down the bridge so yeah i got a pretty good workout that's amazing. And I actually, I was watching Really Dough, and I noticed that you were a self-proclaimed ribs guy before pizza won you over. Can you elaborate on all that whole story, really? Oh, man. It was so funny when that came up in the episode because that show is unscripted. It's just kind of like they throw us in a, in a spot and they say, hey, do whatever you want to do. Talk about whatever you want to do. And then Paulie, it was Paulie G's episode, and he said, well, you always this into pizza. And I remember thinking on the spot, I'm like, oh, man, am I going to lose my street cred if I answer this? <laughs> but I should because whatever. And yeah, for my birthday every year when I was a teenager, it was like, I want to go out for baby back ribs. I was into it. I want to eat a rack of ribs, some cornbread and some mashed potatoes. And that was my jam. I wasn't like a, uh, an enthusiast in the way that I'm now about pizza, certainly not professionally. But, you know, I, I, it wasn't like I was a little kid who only ate pizza. You know, you hear those stories about, like, uh, people who will only eat one food. And it's like, well, I only want pizza. I was definitely not that kid. I, I became the pizza fanatic later. 
Okay, and you've, you know, you obviously haven't lost any momentum since. I even saw you were eating a kimchi pizza with chopsticks on one of the episodes. <laughs> yeah. And that got me thinking, Scott, what do you think in terms of pizza with utensils versus just hand to dough? Is there something with utensils that separates it? Do you think eating with your hands is the way to go? What's your preference? I personally prefer the connection of hand onto dough. The thing that I don't like is when somebody tells somebody else that the way that they're enjoying their pizza is wrong. So I will defend the fork and knifer, but I will say I personally like the feeling of the, the folded dough in my hand. And I, I think that separating that with a fork is not right for me. But when I need to, absolutely, I'm cool with it. But I'm, I'm a hand-to-mouth kind of dude. I'm with you on that completely. I'm, you know, I like using chopsticks for Chinese takeout. I'm down to dabble, but I'm with you on pizza. Just picking it up by the slice. There's something about that. And I noticed, Scott, this was really cracking me up because I've burned my mouth on pizza a lot as a kid back in the day. What prompted you to whip out a thermometer to figure out that 180 degrees is that hot spot where anything above it is burn mouth territory. <laughs> well, you know, I run pizza tours in New York, right? So I, I feed people pizza like most days of the week. I'm, I'm sitting there feeding people pizza and I see the burn happen all the time. And I remember just over time, I, I would have this thermometer that I used to take the temperature of the ovens. And I would say, oh, this oven's 900, this oven's 600. But I started turning it on the pizza and saying, oh, you just burnt your mouth. And I would zap it and say, oh, it's 190. <laughs> and, then, and then I'd say to somebody, oh, did you burn your mouth on that? And they'd say no. And I'd zap it and I'd be like, oh, 155. Hmm. So then I just, you know, just kind of figured out trial and error. Where do I personally burn my mouth and where do most people burn their mouth? And it's in the 170 to 180 range. Interesting. So do you carry that around with you anytime you're frequenting different pizza joints? Absolutely, yes. It's four feet away from where I'm sitting right now. That's incredible. So this is a habitual thing now? You'll always whip it out when eating just to make sure, you know, it's kosher with the temperature? Yeah, it's, it's not like when I'm just out for pizza with friends or something that I just have to pull it out. But it's, you know, I always have it just in case because I find that I'm in pizzerias pretty often where somebody will have a question. And if the question is something that could be answered objectively – then I'd like to have the tools to measure that. So I don't want to answer a question like, oh, is this good or bad? <laughs> My answer is not any better than your answer. But if, if the question is, how hot is this? Then we can give a real number. And I'd rather give real numbers more than just, oh, it's, uh, I'm going to exaggerate for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, man. I, I'm shocked. I don't even think there's anything I could think of to ask you that you wouldn't know about pizza. I, I mean, it's wild. I never knew until this morning when doing more research on you that the temperature was 180. So it's really good to know that. It's wild. The more you look at one subject, the more you learn about it, the more you realize there is to learn. So, yeah, I mean, people who come on the tour usually think, oh, I know. I know good pizza. All right. What's what are they going to teach me? And then what they realize is that there is a huge world out there. So, you know, whatever you are realizing that you didn't know, I'm still in that same area. I just wow. like I've uncovered a whole lot for myself, but now I just see how deep the cave is. Gotcha. So what would you say, Scott, like if it was up to your last meal on Earth, it was a pizza. What would be your go to pizza? What defines a pizza for you? That's a good question. I think if, if, I, if I had to pick a definitive pizza for my life, it's going to be one where the crust is flexible. 
so I can fold it and it's not going to break apart. So it can't be too thin, but it also can't be too thick because I want it to be able to like move in my hand. It's going to be an 18 to 22 inch diameter pie. So, you know, the slice will be half of that. And for me, for that ultimate explanatory slice, it's going to be a balance of a bright fruity tomato without heavy seasoning and with cheese that's on the mild side. I don't like an overly cheesed pizza. I might even want the cheese on the dough first and the sauce on top of that. And it's got to be, uh, it's got to be fragrant. When I lift it up to my face to take a bite, you know, when you inhale slightly before you eat something, that moment is so important. And that moment could be great and it could be awful. I was in a restaurant yesterday and the table was right near the bathroom. The bathroom did not smell very good. We had to move because you just, you gotta, you can't do that. You gotta have the moment where you enjoy the breath without, you know, some terrible smell. I'm probably never a good thing. I try to avoid eating anywhere near a bathroom. That couldn't have been great. Um, Wow. I, and would you say, Scott, after being in the uh, pizza world for so long, have you ever even thought about opening up your own pizza joint? I don't think I ever would. It's not in my interest right now. Uh, it's just not one of the things that I'm interested in doing because I don't really find joy in selling somebody a product as much as I do in delivering them information. And in a pizzeria, I would make you a pizza. You would maybe like it. Maybe you wouldn't. And then I would feel like I need to explain to you the context so that you could understand where I'm coming from and then maybe enjoy it more or at least respect it. But the restaurants don't work that way. People write reviews online based on that day. So I don't think that that's just something I want to do. Maybe one day, but right now I, I really like educating people on this because I'm realizing that there's so many people out there who want to know more about the food they eat. And if you take a food like pizza – you can apply the same information and realize that it goes to every other thing that you eat and every other thing that you see and interact with. It's a way of teaching people respect. Man, I love how passionate you are about pizza. Like I thought I loved pizza until I've been talking to you. This is a whole nother level. Uh, <laughs> well, one thing I got to tell you is, you know, because people sometimes tell me that and I always have to remind everybody like, my passion for it should not decrease yours at all. My hope is that it increases it. You know what I mean? I'm just like, most people have to have a real job and have to have a a thing that they do. And then loving some food is just their hobby. But for me, I've been fortunate enough that that hobby has become the work that I do. And they're one in the same. There's no difference between work time and free time, really, because I so enjoy the thing that I do. So you know, it's, man, you, you are a real pizza lover. I've met nothing but real pizza lovers. I, I'm just, I just like to be a student of it. I, I love it, man. And I really admire what you've done with Slice Out, Slice Out Hunger, Scott. Oh, thank you. Thank you so it. much. Yeah, man. I'm really all about fighting hunger myself in our business. And with your outreach, it's incredible that you've taken time out of your day to really be able to think like that. What, what have you been able to do to grow it so quickly? Well, it hasn't grown that quickly because I've been doing it for about 10 years, over 10 years now. And the idea in the beginning was just to use the relationships that I'd built with the pizzerias to let it do something positive for the community. So, oh, pizzerias are friends with me. They'll give me five pies for free. Why don't I sell those for a buck a slice and we can raise a a bunch of money? And so that just grew and grew and grew. 
And I think since I've been doing more work across the rest of the country, just uh, more visibility with that really dough and with writing for pizza today magazine, speaking at pizza conventions and all that. I think that it's just, it's given my network has grown so much. So now people are asking me, Hey, I want to be involved. How can I be involved? I don't really have to like track down people that much. What I do have to do is organize everything. Pizzerias are not the most organized restaurants. So you have to do a lot of organization. So it's been interesting. And I've had an amazing team helping me. I have, I have a couple people who do a lot of the day-to-day work with me. And then I have a board that's been really good. And you know, I'm actually always looking to expand our board and everything. So, hey, if any of your listeners are uh, interested in being part of a pizza-related nonprofit, send me an email. Absolutely, man. We would love to. I'll send you an email myself. We would love to help out with that. Uh, our family loves getting involved in food drives and all of our food delivery markets. So we'd be happy to help, too. Oh, that's awesome. That's- it's really important that restaurants are part of their communities. And pizzerias are so much more than restaurants. They're a community center. For me growing up, I would hang out at the pizzeria and they didn't kick me out. And it just felt like a warm place to be. So, you know, pizzerias already give to their communities so much. So I'm trying to use Slice Out Hunger as a way to highlight independent pizzerias while allowing everybody to mutually benefit their community's hunger relief programs, which are really a mess. There's so many people in this country who, who go hungry and we are not a country that doesn't have enough food. We have food. It's just not oh, getting to the go, right it places. It goes to waste. It's crazy. Yeah. It's and it's unacceptable. And, that, and that's why we're trying to do what we can right now to raise money. But eventually it's going to be a lot more than just raising money. We, you know, we have to build an organization that can really do more and figure out how to, how to change the way food moves. But that's really amazing, man, how you've been able to instill your passion in your day-to-day life to, you know, having a bigger platform to help people. Because oh, dude. At the end of the day, yeah. what else are we here for? Yeah. And it's, you know, doing something for the community or charitable or whatever you want to call it. It shouldn't be something that you only start doing once you become rich, famous, wealthy, whatever. It should be something that you build in from the ground up. So when I started doing the tour, this was a part of what we did. It was just a smaller, it was the same amount of part of what we did, but it was smaller. And since the company has grown, my network's grown, then it just becomes bigger. It's a, it's, it's a part of it. It's vital. If I cut that out, it wouldn't be the same. That's awesome. I mean, I could sense it in your voice. I'm sure that helps you wake up every day when you, you know, you're doing something so meaningful on top of something you enjoy. I mean, talk about a perfect culmination. Yeah, exactly. And Scott, what would you say to put you on the spot here? Who makes the best slice of pizza in the world? And whether it's New York, New Jersey, what's the top spot? I don't think there is a top spot. It's to say that there's one best pizza maker means that there's one style of pizza. And it means that there's one style of preference that people have. And some people like thin and thick and some people like crunchy and dry. And so it, it all depends on what you're into. I think the best pizza is made by the people who made it for you when you were a teenager because that's when you formed your opinions. So if you want to go to the best pizzeria in the world, get in a time machine, go back to wherever you used to go when you were 13, 14 years old. And that's probably – that's the best. That's the one that centers you. Ooh, so the food nostalgia is really big for you. You feel like that's very impactful. Huge. Interesting, man. Yeah, that's, uh, I completely agree with you. You look back to those days and, you know, you have the fondest memories around family, friends, when, you know, ignorance was bliss as a teenager. Now I could sense why I like all the foods from my hometown. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they mean something to you. And you might say to somebody, come on, you got to eat Jimmy's French fries. They're amazing. And then 
to them, it's like, yo, this is just kind of a soggy fry. And you're like, yeah, but the sogginess is what's great. And you have a different, you have a different background with it. So mm. not and, the same. Interesting. And what would you say, Scott, being a fellow New Jersey guy, do you think New Jersey pizza and bagels hold, hold up to New York? They're different. It's just totally different. I think that New Jersey, there's nothing about the state line that changes the capacity to make the food. And no matter what anyone tells you, it is not the New York water that makes the bagels and the pizza any better than anybody else. You can make the same thing anywhere you want to go. A friend of mine who, who is right outside of San Antonio, Texas, he makes a better New York style pizza than I probably have had in New York City. So the bagels and the pizza in New Jersey are awesome. I used to go to Clark Bagels in Clark, New Jersey all the time. That was my jam. There's like big bagels, but real bagels. And then, uh, you know, the pizza in New Jersey is just different because New York City is a pedestrian city. There's tons of foot traffic, the big slices. You can make that in New Jersey, but it doesn't fit the business models. So you find more places that are smaller pies and that are either by the slice or sit down. It's just a different scene because of the way that the New York City is very different from the cities in New Jersey. Interesting. And that, that water comment you made, I honestly had no idea that was the case. I always figured it really was in the water up until this conversation. <laughs> Man, if it was in the water, then every pizza in New York would be great. And that is absolutely not the case. Wow. That's incredible, Scott. And Scott, to end here, how are you celebrating National Pie Day? It's fitting having you on this day. You know, I, I'm going to do what I usually do, which is that I actually go out and eat a square pizza. A square pizza? I know Why it's square? weird. I know it's weird. I just feel like everybody's doing round pies today. And, you know, I just feel like celebrating the square on pie day. I think it's, you know, it'll stick out a little bit. Dude, hey, that's what separates you, man. I, I really <laughs> love it. And, Scott, next time we're in New York, hopefully we can grab a slice, man. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know when you're coming into the city, and I'll take you to a place that I think would nail what you like. You just have to first tell me three adjectives to describe your ultimate pizza, and I will pair it with the right thing. Well, I'll have to – let me think on that a bit because flexible and fragrant, fragrant – ah, excuse me. I'm having a tongue twister today. Fragrant, fragrance. I've never heard on pizza uh, describing ever in my life. So <laughs> I will definitely come up with three adjectives and let you know. Great. I'm excited about it. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Have a great day, man. Thanks. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.